This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. Craig Cabanis, the lead pastor, is the speaker for this message. If you could open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12, please. 1 Corinthians 12. We are still in our series called The Gathering, where we're talking about uh, what happens when we come together. So we've taught about the place of the Word in the gathering. We've talked about the place of singing. Uh, We've talked about the place of physical expression as we gather. We've talked about the Lord's Supper. What is communion? uh, And why do we take that? And what does that mean when we gather? So we've talked about a lot of different things. And today I want to talk a little bit about... um, when we gather that each person, each believer, each person plays a part, how the entire body comes together uh, in our worship gatherings and in our life as a church, but in our worship gatherings. So let me pray and then we'll jump in. Lord, we come to you today and we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. Even as we are kind of in this Sunday of uncertainty for next week, we just trust that um, that you will uh, open the door for us to meet there or here, whichever is best. Um, and we just rely upon you for that. We thank you uh, that in a couple of weeks it will not even matter, Lord. We've, you will have brought us to a new location, and we just so praise you for that, Lord. We look forward to being on Sunday mornings again, and just thank you for what you have in front of us. And we dedicate ourselves, Lord, to hearing from you tonight, from your word. We pray that you would speak to us, uh, for we know the truths of this passage, uh, Lord, really affect what we do and how we do it when we gather. So I pray that you would speak to us and you would fix our eyes upon you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm in 1 Corinthians 12, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a few verses and talk about them and then read a few more. Normally we should read the whole section, but I'm just going to read a little bit and then discuss it uh, is what we're going to do um, uh, tonight walking through this. Here's the context. We just talked about 1 Corinthians not long ago, 1 Corinthians 11. But here's the context of 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Paul is addressing this troubled church, the Corinthians, who are really messed up, as we saw a couple weeks ago. Uh, they're a church with significant problems. And uh, so he is addressing them about spiritual gifts in chapters 12 through 14, because what has happened is the Corinthians uh, have a very limited list of spiritual gifts. Uh, They like a few of them. And what they like, uh, they really like. So they have a very fond affection uh, for the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues, which he will address in chapter 14, a whole chapter devoted to that uh, and correcting them for the way they abuse that gift. But his primary concern in chapters 12 through 14 is really not even spiritual gifts. The whole chapters are about spiritual gifts, but that's not his primary concern. He's using, I mean, he wants to correct them. He wants them to use the gifts in the way God intends, but his real heart is found in the middle. So there's chapter 12, which is about the various spiritual gifts. Chapter 14, which is uh, uh, compare and contrasting prophecy and speaking in tongues. And in the center is chapter 13, the chapter on love. And that is really his heart, is that the people love one another because they're not expressing love towards one another when they gather. And so the big idea is here, this is all about the gathering. It's all about how they behave when 
they gather. And he's seeking to teach them that when they gather together as worshipers before the Lord, they're to have an attitude of love, and that's to express itself in the way they view the gifts and in the way they view one another. Because the problem in Corinth is that certain gifts are being heightened, and that means that certain people who have those gifts are being heightened. Other gifts are being minimized or ignored, and that means people with those gifts are being minimized or ignored or even looked down upon. And so they are missing the whole reason for the gathering. They are gathering to display their gifts, to sort of brag and and boast in their own gifts, and to look down upon those who are different. And Paul is correcting that because that does not reflect the kind of love that honors the Lord. When God's people come together and love one another, it is an act of worship before him that pleases him. So first of all, the first thing we're going to see in this passage is that Paul tells them, look, there's one body there's one body with many parts, and he's referring to the church. So look at verse 13, 12, 13, and read the first two verses. Uh, look at 12, 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. So he's just in the previous 11 verses listed all of these various spiritual gifts. And now he is saying there's all these different gifts and they represent like parts of the body, but there's one body. So the first idea in this passage is there's one body, many parts, one body, many parts. He has just said there's this variety of gifts, and now he's going to use a physical analogy, an illustration, to show what his point is. And he uses it with the human body, which is a picture of the body of Christ, we're going to see, the people of God. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So all the All the people who know the Lord form one body, the body of Christ, but they all represent different parts of the body of Christ. And he points back to conversion to make the points. He says, we were all baptized into one body by one spirit. So when we become a Christian, when we turn from our sin and believe in Jesus and receive uh, the free gift of, of eternal life by believing in Christ, when that happens, we're all put in his body. The Spirit puts us in his body. What does that mean? It means that he makes us, he unites us with Christ. He makes us part of Christ's people. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body. That's speaking about conversion, and we are made to be of his people. And we all drink, verse 13, we're all made to drink of one Spirit. What does that mean? We all receive the Holy Spirit. We all have the same Holy Spirit by virtue of our conversion. And so, what does that mean? Well, verse 13, it means there's Jews, uh, we're all baptized in one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. So he's saying, no matter what difference you had before becoming a Christian, you may have been a Jew, you may have been a Greek, and you may have hated the other groups, you may have been a Jew who hated Greeks, you may have been a Greek who hated Jews, um, or you may have been slave or free. So he gives these social distinctions, and it says no matter what your social distinctions were prior to becoming a Christian, now you are all part of his body, and you are all one, regardless of what distinctions you have, regardless of what distinctions society makes about people. 
I mean, th- th- these verses that we're reading right now would really apply to the sin of racism. Because the point is, regardless of, regardless of what your race is, or regardless of what your cultural background is, or your, your nationality, or whatever, regardless of the distinctions that the culture might highlight as distinctions, when we come and meet Christ, we are all made part of His body. We're all equal by, by the fact that we are created in His image to begin with. But what he's saying here is that once you're a Christian, you don't recognize the cultural distinctions that the world makes, where where slaves didn't hang around with free people and Jews didn't hang around with Greeks. That may be what's going on around you, but in the church, the reality is we are all experiencing the same spirit. We are one body. So he highlights this unity before he goes on to talk about their diversity. And that's true of us as a church. We are one people. And as we transition into a new season, and as here's the really sad thing. I mean, I really wanted to say something about being here in this building, and we don't even know, like, is this the last night we'll ever be? Is this the last meeting we'll ever have in this building? I don't know. Maybe. Um, but as we move, we, we only have one more anyway. So as we move, we want to just be freshly aware um, of what the Lord has done during our time here and that he has made us a single people. We're translate, uh, transitioning into a new location, really a new season for us as a church, uh, but we want to move together with this in view. We are one body made up of many parts. That's always important. That's always biblically true. That's always good to keep in mind, but especially during seasons of transition that we want to focus. The things I'm talking about tonight, I want us to focus on them as we go through a season of transition, that we recognize those around us and that we recognize their value and their gifts and that we're joined together. Really important that as we move, we are moving together. We're not taking our eyes off anyone that's a part of this church and is a part of this body. We want no one slipping through the cracks. We want no one minimized or anything like that, but we are one body. And so what Paul's telling the church here, again, chapter 14, if you read that, you'll see it's all about their gathering. And he's saying, so is chapter 11 about the Lord's Supper. He's saying, as you gather, recognize that you're one, even though you're different. So number one, one body, many parts. Number two, every part belongs. This is so important. Every part belongs. Look at verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So He's speaking to them in a way that makes an analogy about the way they are living as a church. Again, they have a very short list of gifts that they are enamored with. And so if you don't have that gift or those gifts, 
then you might feel like you don't belong. That's what's happening here. Because a certain kind of gift, a certain kind of person receives profile, receives honor, and that sort of thing, then some people just draw the conclusion that I don't belong in this church because I'm not like that, whatever that is. In this case, probably speaking in tongues, people that spoke in tongues were on the inside. Everyone else was on the outside. Look at verse 15. This is where this comes clear. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And the same, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. What he's saying, and he's obviously speaking metaphorically here, he's saying we each have different gifts and we're all one body. And it would be like the foot saying to the hand, well, because I don't have the same function as the hand, because I don't have the same gift as the hand, then I don't belong to the body. That would be absurd to say that the foot doesn't belong. The foot makes up a very, very important part of the body. And same with the ear. If the ear says to the eye, I'm not an eye, I can't see, so that must mean I'm not that important to the body. What, 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 what's happening here is he's saying various people in the church are looking to others and to their gifts and drawing the conclusion that I must not belong because I'm not like so-and-so, like a foot would say to a hand or an ear would say to an eye. The body illustration shows that we are not to envy someone else. We're not to envy someone else's gifts or covet or to desire someone else's experiences or their gifts, their abilities. We're not to covet them. So in other words, we're not to say, well, I I wish, you know, I wish I had that person's gifts and focus uh, on someone else with envious thoughts. I wish I had a, uh, uh, you know, I wish I had a gift of mercy like that person, or I wish I could teach like she can, or I wish I could counsel like he can. Everyone's drawn to him, or I wish I had a gift of mercy like that couple does who seems to be unusually gifted at helping people who are down and out and are struggling. You know, I wish I had, um, you know, I, I wish I could had a leadership gift like that person does. And so what he's saying is the the body should not come together and envy other parts and say, well, because I'm not like that, I don't belong. That's what he said. Because I'm not like that, I don't belong. When the church comes together, there shouldn't be an envying of one another. There should be a celebrating of the gifts of others. Neither do we are we to have self-pity. Look at what the foot says. The foot says, well, because I am... Uh, not a hand, I do not belong to the body. So that doesn't make you less a part of the body just because you don't feel like you belong. So what the foot should be doing is rather than comparing himself or herself with the hand, what the foot should actually be doing is walking and balancing and holding up the body and finding what, it, what, it, what can I do as a foot and what am I supposed to do as a foot and how's the rest of the body doing? Walking, running, standing, uh, what can I do to support the body rather than having self-pity? So I guess I don't even matter because I can't reach out and grab. I can't point like the hand can. I can't hold another hand like the hand can. But you can play footsies. So you can, right? So I can't do what that one can do. So there's this self-pity. You know, rather than doing the job that that foot is supposed to do. So rather than comparing... And then despairing, 
the foot should be carrying its responsibility. Can you relate to that? Have you ever felt like, I I don't feel like I belong, that my part in the church, it's, it's not that important. It doesn't matter like someone else's done. It does. Have you ever felt like your giftings aren't really needed? Like someone else's. Their gifts are needed, but I don't even think my gifts are even that needed. Would it even matter if I wasn't doing this in the life of the church? That's like the foot saying to the hand, would it even matter if the foot wasn't functioning? Oh, it would matter. The foot belongs. Comparison, envy, self, self-pity, self these are paralyzing things that rob us from the grace of God to function as we're called to function. There's a lot of people that are paralyzed. Don't use the gifts they have. Don't take the knowledge they have. Don't steward the relationships and the experiences they have because they're thinking, I don't belong and I don't matter because I'm not like she is. I don't have the gifts he does. And that's exactly what's happening in Corinth. Those who aren't speaking in tongues evidently see themselves as a foot or a prophecy or whatever the gifts may be. They see themselves as a foot and they want to be a hand and they think until I'm a hand, I'm not making any difference. That mindset saps the fruitfulness out of our lives. Where, where the foot should be, say, how has God designed me? Look at verse 18. That's what, that's what it says, is that, as, uh, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. So rather than the foot saying, this is how you made me, God, the foot is comparing. And the foot is saying, I don't belong Paul goes on to say, this is so foolish. Imagine if everyone thought this way. It's kind of what he says. In verse 17, he says, if the whole body were an eye, so ear, you want to be an eye. Okay, ear, what if everybody was an eye? Where would the sense of hearing be? Or verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? I think Paul is using exaggeration, you know, sort of, sort of for humor here. He's saying, what if the whole body was a giant eyeball, is what he's saying. This would not be healthy. This would be like a 1950s B-movie, horror movie with the eyeball that rolled into town, you know, just taking everyone in sight, get it? Just rolling into town, uh, this, this grotesque, huge eyeball. He's saying, where would the body be that you couldn't even exist? Everybody wants to be an eyeball. That's not healthy. That's grotesque. That's not admirable. That's like gross. Somebody cover that with a lid or something. I just get, get out. Everybody can't be an eye is what he's saying. He's saying we are all gifted in different ways and we all belong. Isn't it beautiful that the foot belongs to the body and the hand belongs to the body and the ear belongs to the body and the eye belongs to the body? Because that's the way, verse 18, God designed it. God designs this beautiful body and rather than thanking God and celebrating who he is and what he's done when they gather, comparison 
envy, self-pity enters in, and the beautiful body that God has designed doesn't function in a healthy manner. And he's correcting the Corinthians because of this. We don't want to be a church that is centered on a single gift. We don't want to be, that's, that's a, to use his illustration, if everybody's an eye, where's the body? We don't want to be an eyeball church. We don't want to be a church that's just about teaching. We don't want to be a church that's just about evangelism. We don't want to be a church that's just about prayer. We don't want to be a church that's just about missions. That's all we do is missions. We don't want to be a church that's just about mercy ministry. We don't want to be a church that's just about youth ministry. See, we don't want to be a church that's just one gift and one focus because that's not healthy. That makes room for a certain profile of person to feel welcome. That makes room for a certain gift to be exercised while everyone else just watches and finds themselves envious that they're not like that. Rather, we want a church that has servants and helpers and teachers and those gifted in prayer and prophecy and those gifted in leadership and those gifted in administration and those gifted in encouragement and those gifted in generosity and everything else that the scripture mentions as a gift. We want to see all of those on display because that is beautiful. That's the healthy church when every every part of the body is doing its part. And when the church gathers and everyone is using their gifts, everyone is doing what God has called and assigned and equipped them to do, something beautiful happens. There is health. And the Lord is glorified through that kind of worship, that kind of body life, that kind of unity, that kind of church that celebrates differences, values differences. And this goes beyond just gifts, but I'm going to talk about just gifts because this passage is teaching. But there is a diversity that honors the Lord when it is welcomed and embraced, particularly in what gifts we have and using them for His glory. I believe God has something to say from this passage to everyone who has ever said, I don't feel like I belong. And it's, it's what he says in these, in these verses. The person who says, because I am not an I, I do not belong to the body, that would not make him any less a part of the body. Translation, you belong. You belong. If you've been a Christian an hour... You belong, and you have gifts to have been used. If you've been a Christian 30 years, you belong, and God has gifted you. That is the point of this analogy, is that every person belongs. And more than that, without your participation, without you participating as one whom God has designed to participate, the body will lack the health that God designed for it. We won't, do you belong? We won't be healthy without you. Now, if that sounds man-centered, I don't mean it to be, because I'm just telling you, that's what the text says, is that God designed it this way. And, and, and God works through his people. Everyone's contributions matter. And we don't compare our contributions to the contributions of others. That's the problem. When the foot is comparing himself to the hand, that's the problem. When the foot is saying, verse 18, this is how you designed me. Now, how can I be a fruitful foot 
what can I do? Be on my tiptoes, stomp, stand, be on my heels. I don't know what all the, I didn't practice these. I don't know what all the foot moves are, but whatever a foot can possibly do to support the body in its mission, do it for the glory of God. Do it for the glory of God. Every contribution matters. Some of you come early and you pray. And there may be some of you say, well, I don't really think I can do that much in the church. I just pray. Are you kidding? You just pray. I would say everything that happens here that's fruitful, that glorifies the Lord and serves others is the result of somebody's prayer. You never just pray. You're never just on the prayer team. It's significant. So your prayers matter. Your greeting matter. I don't know. I don't know much about the Bible. They just made me a greeter. I just say hi and smile. You know what? People aren't going to listen to the Bible. A lot of times people aren't going to listen to the Bible if their impression is, I showed up 10 minutes early and no one spoke to me. So I don't really care what the guy has to say. It's discounted in the life of the congregation. He can teach about love and participation all he wants. And if nobody's participating, then it's a sham. You're never just greeting people. That's loving people. That's caring for people. That's inviting people in to family. That's helping people engage and encounter the Lord. And there are people who visit the church that won't remember a lot about the service, but they'll remember the person who took an interest in them. So you're never just greeting. It's always vital. Go down the list. Ushering. Teaching in children's ministry. Helping in children's ministry, the tech team that serves us with all tech stuff, the admin, everyone who's done anything administrative coming in to this meeting, anyone who plays an, uh, plays an instrument, anyone who helps in it. There's, just a, there's all kinds of ways that people serve. And there's not only that, there's not only the kind of things you do on a Sunday when you wear the church's name tag. That is when you're like on, it's your week to do whatever. It's the way you serve when you're not on. Sometimes that's more powerful. It's great to be greeted by someone wearing the badge. But if I'm a guest, it may mean more, and you should do that. But it may mean more when I'm greeted by someone who's not wearing the badge. The off-duty greeter. Like, <laughs> the off-duty greeter. That person. You know, uh, invite, just caring for people. Having a spontaneous conversation. Someone with the gift of mercy that's just listening and bearing the burden of someone else. That's indescribably fruitful ministry. I don't know. All I can really do is listen and then pray for people. Yeah, well, that person had nobody listen to them all week long and really care like you are. That's a gift that brings honor to the Lord and serves other people. The prayer team that prays for people at the end or spontaneously praying for someone. We heard Wednesday Bob teach about hospitality, inviting someone to take the next step. You know, inviting them to coffee or inviting them over to your house and reaching out, helping to make a stranger a friend. I mean, that is significant, extending hospitality. Every contribution, every contribution makes a difference. If we come with this question, the question is not, do I fit? Do I belong? The question is, what can I do for the common good. That's what he said back in verse 7. That would, in the previous section, he said, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, that's a spiritual gift, for the common good. They're missing it. They're gifted so that everybody benefits. So if this is my question, do I belong? 
do I fit? Uh, That that line of questioning, is it's it's a crash waiting to happen. It's already veered way off. If this is the direction to go, I just went that way to start with. Do I fit? Do I belong? Those are the wrong questions. Who has better gifts than me? Who who does everybody like? Who is everybody drawn to? Who do I wish I could be like? I mean, there's a place to, to learn from others and follow their example. There's a place for that, but that's not what this is talking about. The question is, what can I do for the common good? The question is, what can I do to help someone else fit? The question is, what can I do to help someone else feel they belong? That's getting my eyes off the hand and being a good foot. That's, that's good footing right there is what that is. When it's not, do I fit because I'm not a hand? People don't even see me. I've got a sock and a shoe on and I'm just way down there and they're way up there. Do I even belong? The question is, how can I make you belong? Do I fit? How can I help you find your fit? Is this for my good? How can I do something for the common good, for your good, so that you would benefit? When that happens, it's got the aroma of Jesus all over it. And it's a beautiful act of worship to the Lord in the gathering. We're, we're in an exciting season, and I've just really, really enjoyed the 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 viewpoint that I've had watching people jump in in this season. And everything that I think we hoped for, um, I, I, I'm just seeing those kinds of things happen. When, one of the highlight meetings of the last year to me was when we did the uh, ministry team fair. You can listen to that if you weren't here. But where we just had, I don't know the number, I don't know if it was eight, nine, ten people get up here and all share what their, where they were providing help in the life of the church, and inviting other people to jump on board with them. And then they set up their booths out there, and then people just went and talked and signed up and hung around. And thought, this is the goal. This, I love our building. I'll take this any day over bricks and mortar because this is the life of the Spirit and the people of God, and that's why we have the building. The building, was all, the building is all about building the people who are the building of God, the body of Christ. And as we're preparing for this next season, what I'm seeing is people jump in. There are people helping out during the week up there. There's la- the last two Saturdays, there have been people at the building, the tech people, the sound people. Uh, I was up there for that and just watched people give their whole day just, just hanging around and learning the new gear. I saw, I wasn't there, but at Saturday I heard the same, there was people up there from um, the projection of the video or whatever. I don't know exactly who all was there, but there was, I just saw there's another team there. So people are just finding their spot and finding a place to serve and jumping in. That is a glorious, glorious thing. So it's a great season, and it's a great season to make a fresh start. And think about it and say, Lord, grip my heart with the gospel so that I'm free to serve. Get my eyes off myself by comparing and by feeling like I don't have a contribution. And help me just see, see what I can do for your glory. Just, Holy Spirit, open a door for me to do so. Open a door for me to take an interest in somebody and to do something. Help me to find a need. Help me to ask someone where they need help. And just jump in for your glory. That's a, a, a wonderful time to start afresh to use the gifts God's given you, to build up those around you. What might a church be like? Where, what would it be like for everyone in a church to know their spot, to use their gifts? And, and sometimes we do things that aren't our gifts. It's like the household chores. I never met anybody who says, man, what's your gift? My gift's washing dishes. 
No, you got to wash dishes because they got to be washed. My, my primary gift in life is vacuuming. I've never heard anybody say that, but you got to vacuum. The house got to be vacuumed. So there's certain things that are just chores that we all got to do around the house. And then there's certain things that you might be more gifted for. And, but we do both. We do household chores in the, in the family of God, and we use our gifts. And we're not enamored with a particular gift, a particular type of gift, a, t- a particular profile of gift, which means we're enamored with a particular person, which matter, means that tempts others to say, well, I must not belong because I'm not like that person that everybody in here loves uh, their gifts. That must be the gift. Every, the, one body, many parts, every part... Every single part uh, belongs. And lastly, every part is needed. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our most presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So the first illustration he used was two parts of the body, one saying, I don't belong. The foot saying, I don't belong because I'm not a hand. Now it kind of reverses. The eye says the hand, I don't need you. So not only can I say, well, I must not measure up, but I can't look to someone else and say, oh, you don't measure up. There's two different problems going on here in Corinth. So he changes it. No one can say to another that you are not needed. So just as there can be envy, there can be arrogance. I don't really need those people over there. I don't really need that, that person. You know, um, I'm, I'm hanging out with these people who do these things. Those are the, really the end people. But this is an attitude of superiority that has no place in the body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. If the eye looks down to the hands and says, I don't need you, how's that going to go when you need to grab something? Let's see how that works out. When the eye says, I don't need you, how are you going to point? I just give them the eye. I don't know what you're going to do. You can't, the eye needs the hand. The eye needs the hand because the eye may think they're all that up top, looking around, seeing above everybody until you need a hand for something. And then the eye has severe limitations. No one can say, I have no need of you. There were social divisions in this church. If you were here two weeks ago, I think it was, we studied how they took the Lord's Supper. And here's what we found out. There was rich people in the church that got there early, that ate and actually drank to drunkenness, and the poor people showed up, and they had nothing to eat, and they went home hungry. That was the Lord's Supper. And he said, your meetings do more harm than good. So there's rich people and there's poor people. Man, we can see how chapter 11 plays out right here. It it not only went to class, like, man, I don't need you. I'm rich. You're poor. Uh, You know, uh, what can you do for me? The same thing happens with gifts. This is a divided church. And he's saying, let let me tell you, let me give you a perspective. The parts that are weaker, you need them. They're indispensable. That means you cannot do without them. Look what he says in uh, verse 22. He's going to talk about two parts, weak parts of the body, weak parts and unpresentable parts. 
Weak parts, verse 22, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. They're indispensable. That means you can't do without them. What are the weak parts of the body? Well, most, most uh, commentators think there's probably a reference to, to organs, which wouldn't be strong on their own and they need protection. So something like your lungs or your heart, you've got ribs which cover them. They are weak. Your heart as, a, as an organ on itself is weak. Your heart can't walk around. Your, your heart can't even protect itself, and so it needs a cage to protect it. Same with your lungs. And Paul says there's people in your church that are like that. And you think, man, that person's weak. And I say, no, they're the heart. The, the parts of the body that weak are indispensable. The lungs, oh, they're weak. Lungs, they don't have any bone. They don't have any structure. What are the lungs? What can the lungs do? Oh, they are protected, and you shut them down, and you see how that goes for you. (laughs) He's saying the ones in the body that you call weak, I'm telling you, they are indispensable. It is an upside-down kingdom. The people that you think aren't, not that you, the people that the Corinthians think aren't that important, Paul says you can't live without them. The church will not live without them. The people speaking in tongues saying, I'm all spiritual and I'm up in the heavenlies and I've got all these visions and I had all these super spiritual experiences. And they're looking down on the people that are just doing more mundane tasks, less spiritual. And he says, man, this church isn't going to make it if it isn't for those people. You think they're weak. I'm telling you, the word Paul uses is indispensable. Now, ultimately, everyone's dispensable. We know that. The kingdom of God's going to go on uh, when we all die. Jesus was doing fine before we were here. He's going to do fine after we're gone. So not indispensable in the sense of God's wringing his hands like, oh man, I hope, oh, oh, don't, don't disregard that person. I'm really counting on it. God's almighty and God will do what he wants to do. But from a human perspective, from our point of view, those are indispensable people. And I'm not going to name categories of indispensable, of people that are viewed as weak, but they're really indispensable. Here's who they are. They're whoever in the church you don't think you need. That's who they are. It's whoever you could get along fine without them. It's whoever, well, if they left the church, that'd be okay by me. Those are the people that you need to make a beeline to tonight because that's the people you need. The ones you view as as weak, God says they're indispensable to this church. So I don't think it's a particular gift. I think it's a particular perspective. People who have a different gifts than me that I could tend to look down on or be different in some way. We need seemingly weak people as much as we need seemingly strong to be a healthy body. The other thing he says is the unpresentable ones. Verse 23, those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow greater honorable and our unpresentable parts were treated with greater modesty. What's he talking about here? Well, I think when he's talking about unpresentable parts, he's talking about the parts that you don't show, parts that don't see sunshine. He's talking about private parts of your body. And what he's saying is those kind of parts that that we treat very specially because we treat them with a special modesty. What does that mean? They're covered. We cover the unpresentable parts. So you've got people you think in the church, whoa, those are unpresentable people. And he's saying, actually, in your body, those are the ones you pay special attention to and ensure that they are covered. So what he's saying is there's a, there's a special attention given to unpresentable parts, and there should be a special attention given to the people in the church that you somehow view are not weak, but are somehow unpresentable. In both cases, they're people that we look down upon. And what he says is they are vital. 
You cannot exclude anyone based on human reasoning, based on your opinions, based on your preferences, based on who you think really counts and who doesn't really count. Because as soon as you do that, you will find the Lord has a different standard. And those people you thought you could do without, he says they're indispensable. And those people you thought, man, they're just kind of not really that presentable, just kind of stay away. He's saying, no, I give special attention and you should give special attention to people like that. See, if the church is anything, it should be the place where you don't get evaluated like you get evaluated in the world. In the world, you get evaluated on how you look, uh, what your gifts uh, are that are respected and appreciated by the culture, uh, how much you have, and how much you can do for me. How much you can better me, you know, then, then, then that's good. That's the world's point of view. And the church should be a place where it's radically different where people perhaps that the world would not elevate, those people are the heart of the church. The people that the world says keep them back, they're the ones that we give special attention to in the church. And the gifts that in the world, that gift wouldn't pay a lot. Nobody's going to pay a lot of money for that gift maybe. That gift's vital in the church. And when done for the glory of God, the Lord says that is precious to me. And the Lord's not looking and saying hands are better than feet. And the Lord's not looking and saying ears don't need eyes. The Lord's looking and saying, I designed you and I gifted you to make a difference in my body with my people for my glory. So keep your eyes on the Lord and keep your eyes on how you can use whatever abilities, gifts, talents, treasures, opportunities, relationships you have to use to bless other people. See, we're not to compare ourselves with others unfavorably. Oh, I'm not as good as the hand. Or, like the eye says to the hand, I don't need you. Or disfavorably, unfavorably. We're not to feel better than someone. We're not to feel worse than someone. We're to look to Christ and say, I'm no one without you, and you have saved me and given me gifts. Lord, how can I use them? It's perspective that's, ha- that's off here in Corinth. We need others. Everyone, we, we, no one is indis- I mean, no one can we view and say, you are dispensable. We need one another, and we're to pay attention to those who are weaker, which oftentimes are those that we view as different than we are. And it's more than just acknowledging our need for others. It's, it's being so joined that we're affected by others. It's not just casually acknowledging, yeah, I do kind of need those people that are different. That'd be one thing. Say, yeah, I, I do. Okay, I'm a hand. I got your point. Okay, the feet are okay. Yes, yeah, so applause for the feet. I'm in. Okay, I got that one. It's not just that. It's that we're to be so joined together that look at verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So if the foot hurts, I hurt. The hand hurts. If the hand wins hand of the year award, then as a foot, I'm celebrating. I'm not comparing. I'm celebrating. The Lord is using the hand. Yes, I'm not a hand and that's okay. But I thank you, Lord, that he's a hand. I thank you that she's a hand. Do you see? It's that that we celebrate with one another and we suffer with one another as well. If one is honored, we all rejoice together. Let's translate this to the passage. 
If someone in the church feels they don't belong, that's all of our concern. That's not, well, I hope they get that worked out. And don't raise it again as a prayer request because I've heard it a bunch of times. No, that is a selfish attitude. It's like, man, if someone doesn't belong, we're all concerned about that. And if someone's looking down upon others and their gifts, boy, that's a concern for all of us too. Because we don't want to be breeding that kind of arrogance in the body of Christ. If someone's suffering or struggling, that concerns us. If there's a weaker brother or sister, that concerns us all of us. If someone's doing great and bearing fruit and using their gifts and they're thriving, we don't envy, we rejoice. That's the body of Christ. That's what our world knows nothing about. And that's when someone encounters that, they say, this is foreign. How can this be? Something's happening here that's different. And this becomes a gospel witness. Everybody gets the eyeball church. Everybody gets, I went down there, it was one big click they were all alike. They were all arrogant. They all used the same language. They were all condescending. I want nothing to do with those Christians. They're all like that. Everybody gets that. What they don't get is everybody was, there was a lot of diverse people there. There was a lot of diverse gifts there. And everyone seemed to be really happy to participate. They were like one unit. It was almost like the human body. Everything fit together and worked. That's a testimony of the grace of God. Only the Lord Jesus makes that happen. And that happens by love. That's where he goes next. I'm going to, for sake of time, I'm going to skip over verses 27 to 31. Only to tell you this, that he lists apostles with helping in the same list. So he says, here's the gifts. You can be an apostle... You can be writing the Bible, or you can be stacking the chairs. You're in the same list. Where does that happen in the culture? Where is the CEO and the custodian put together and say, you're both equal value. You both got a voice at the table. You both matter. It doesn't happen. But in the body of Christ, it happens. So he goes through the gifts. There's apostles, there's teachers, there's administrating, there's helping. Chair stackers, Bible writers, same group. And there are no Bible writers anymore. I'm just talking about there were Bible writers, but we now have a done Bible. So apostles and helpers. It's, it's wonderful. And then he goes in, and I, verse 31, I will show you still a more excellent way. And then he goes in to, the, to talk about a whole chapter on love. So why did I share this tonight? Well, because I just think these are Vital attitudes. At first, you may not have known. This, this is talking about life, but it's talking about the gathering. Because chapters 11 and 14, which sandwich this, are all about the gathering. This is about the gathering. And when we gather, we must realize these truths. We are one body with many parts. Every part belongs. Every part matters. Every part belongs. Every part matters. It, it's not the same when you're not here. That's not sentimentalism. That's Bible. Because everybody has a part to play. And my part is not as, is, you know, it's, it's, the part I play is, is not as important as the part the whole plays. But my part is valuable. And the church needs my part. And the church needs your part. The church needs every uh, contribution that we can make. And when we gather together and there is love and there is honor and there is respect and there is appreciation and there is unity in Christ and there is service together like a healthy body, that's glorious worship to the Lord because that's how he designed it. And when the Lord's design is functioning, it's pleasing to him. It glorifies him. 
And when it's not like in Corinth, it's grievous to him. And they can sing all the songs they want, and they can do all the communion they want, and the Lord says, this is worse. It's worse that you came to church. I wish you would have stayed at home. That's what he said. Don't you have your own homes to eat in? This is worse than when you came to But when we come in love and these kind of things are happening, it is glorious to the Lord. So as we move to the square, which may be next week, but as we move, this is what we need to bear in mind, that every person matters. I didn't know who's going to gather with us over there. Whoever they are, they'll matter too. But right now, we don't, they're not with us. And this is the body that we currently have, and I trust the Lord will build to add to our body over there. Um, he's adding to our body here, so I assume that would continue. But we all need one another. Every person belongs. And let's move together in faith, and let's keep an eye to our left and to our right. And let's make sure that weaker, the weaker parts have their part to play and that we're aware of that, and that we're valuing that, and that we're making room for that. Let, let's make sure that those who are different than us feel our love and our affirmation and our celebration that we're rejoicing with them. Let's make sure that those who are suffering feel our care and those who are celebrating feel our support. And no one feels our envy and no one feels our comparison and no one feels our self-pity because by the power of the gospel, the Lord is rooting that stuff out of us as we put that to death and as we trust him. As I don't know what's in front of us starting next week or starting in two weeks. I don't know what's in front of us. But I know how good God has been to us to this day. And I just want to see that continue and grow. The Lord may make us wider. I don't know. But I want to ensure that we're going deeper all along. That we never sacrifice depth for width. And that we always value every gift because this is worshipful to the Lord. Let's love one another. Let's care for one another. Let's make sure that we believe as this language. Every part belongs. Every part is needed. Let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org.